0: Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayerful attention to Matthew chapter 15 and reading for our text, verse 25. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. Matthew 15 and verse 25. We have some very strong contrasts in this chapter. The chapter begins with the scribes and Pharisees coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. And they ask him a question and immediately he answers them. Those were those that often tried to trip him up, to lay traps for him. They were people described in verse 8. These people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoureth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And then in verse 9, in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. We have the scribes and the Pharisees then answered directly and the Lord tells they worshipping him in vain. With the woman of Canaan who spoke the words of our text, when she came to the Lord, the Lord answered her, not at all. And yet in our text we are told that she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. And at the end of the count, it was not in vain, because she had healing for her daughter that she was seeking healing for, and her faith commended. And yet what contrast there was. She might well have thought, well, the Lord is speaking to these of whom seem to be very religious people, but to me, he is not speaking at all. This woman's faith was sorely tried, but we must remember that God gave her that faith. I want to just notice a few things. Firstly, before looking more particularly at the context and the the whole account really, that is summed up very much in our text, Lord, help me. The first thing is those things that the Lord uses to bring his people to him. This account it really begins in in, in verse twenty two where we are told that it is her daughter that was grievously vexed with the devil that she is coming to the Lord and begging. That he'd have mercy upon her, upon her daughter. Our Lord says that none can come unto him, that is, truly, except the Father which hath sent me, draw him, and I'll raise him up at the last day. But many times throughout the Word of God, and throughout the time our Lord was on earth, we have those that had afflictions and trials not just in themselves, but in those whom they loved and even their friends. Sometimes it's like this woman, her daughter. Other times it's like the ten lepers. Other times it's like the man sick of the palsy, born of four, and they are carrying him. The Lord saw their faith and healed the one that was sick. Many different things. And we do well to notice throughout the Scripture what it is that was used to bring men, women, children to the Lord and to come before Him in supplication and in prayer. What is our case and what are those things that bring us to prayer and bring us to the Lord? One of the things that is so marked when there are things like this, is that prayer has a point to it. It has something that is a subject of it, and we can then verify the answer of it. Hannah could say, when she brought Samuel up to the temple, For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition that I asked of him. And the Lord has said that it is through much tribulation that we are to enter the kingdom and that those things that then come upon us because of sin, sin entered into the world and death by sin and within all of the sorrows and trials and sicknesses that there are, and those are those things that we can rightly bring before the Lord. And it's very evident Uh, with this dear woman, that the Lord was using this matter not just so that she had healing alone, but that she was brought to worship him and to approach him as he truly is the son of David, how she first addresses him. But I want to then just uh, think in this first point, Before we move on to the next, what is it that brings us to the Lord? Are there those things the Lord has given us now? And we have the cause that is too hard for us, and we are not bringing it to the Lord, and yet we should. Things that we should be praying over, things that we should be bringing. Of course, we cannot, like this woman, see the Lord In the flesh, we cannot approach him as she did, but we can approach the throne of grace. We can pray, we can come to the Lord in the same way of asking. When we think of the matter here and others, like the centurion whose servant uh, was unwell and he desired him to be healed. The Lord was able to heal from a distance. Later on in this chapter, we have those that were sick in many different ways, the lame and the blind, and they were physically, they were brought to the Lord, and the Lord healed them. But some, like this woman's daughter, and like the centurion's servant, he said... I am not worthy that thou shouldst come under my roof, speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. And the Lord could heal at a distance. What would we say of a surgeon or a doctor in our land who we were asked to heal us or heal a loved one? And they said, well, you must bring them to the surgery. I must see them. I must be able to treat them. And you say, no, you you treat them where you are. Distance doesn't matter. And with the Lord, it didn't matter. He could heal. And it's a good thing for us to remember this. We do not need the Lord on earth and right next to us. He hears our prayers in heaven. And from heaven, he sends the answers as well. And when we maybe cannot get to our loved ones ourselves, we cannot help them physically, we can help them in prayer. And sometimes we overlook that and have those that we so long to be healed or helped and feel helpless. But if we have prayer and a God to go to, we are not helpless. And so may we have those things that bring us to this same God, to the Lord Jesus Christ in this same way. The second thing to notice is what true worship is. You mentioned the contrast in this chapter, the Lord pronouncing the worship of the scribes and the Pharisees as empty as vain. It was not true. With this woman, it is said in an the inspired and holy word of God that she came and worshipped him. And we might think, well, worship is just singing, singing the praises of God. Here we have worship in prayer, worship in supplication, worship in bowing before the Lord, worship in acknowledging the Lord, who he is, our son of David, and in the petition, Lord, help me. May we never confine worship just to one aspect, but uh, look at it in the way that is set before us here in the word. The Lord in John 4 said to the woman of Samaria that they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And this woman, those things that she was bringing, they were real things and real burdens and real trials. There was nothing hypocritical. There was nothing imagined. These were real things and that's good for us to do that. What a difference, what a contrast to just worshipping the Lord with lip service but there's nothing really we want the Lord to do for us. And truly, if we have mindfulness of our sinnership, our evil heart, the temptations of the adversary, there's many, many things that we need the Lord to do for us and appear for us. The next thing to notice is that those that have true faith, those that are given faith by the Lord. They are not easily put off. We may say here that the Lord tries faith, the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire. There can be an idea in these days, and I I want to speak rightly because we are not to bruise a, a bruised, break a bruised reed or quench your smoking flax. we're not to ourselves, the Lord knows every case, but we're not to discourage those that come. But maybe this case is a good balance to the thought today, well, if someone does show any interest, if someone does come to the house of God, he must be very, very careful not to offend them not to say anything wrong, say anything right, and to to really draw them on, as if, if the work of God is real, it would be somehow fragile and easy put off. But here's this woman, and as we'll see in a moment, her faith is greatly tried, and not in any way is it fragile, and where the Lord is working, that where the Scriptures declare, and nothing shall offend them, where there is a real work of the Spirit, then it will press through the crowns, as the woman with the issue of blood had. And it will press after the Lord. And sometimes we really act in a wrong way. When, and can very much veer to uh, almost bending down to the world and to those who have no faith with the thought and effort that will entice them in or somehow bring them on. When you see these real cases in the Word and how the Lord deals with them, it is so certain, it is so encouraging to see the, the end result of the Lord's dealings. Then I just want to notice that in this account there are four utterances of the woman, four things that she says. There are four things that the Lord said and there's five discouragements, five discouragements in it. Now I want to look at the account bearing those things in mind, the woman's utterances, the things the Lord said and the discouragements and to trace it through from verse 22. This is her first utterances, her cries for mercy. Behold, a woman of Canaan, not of the Jews, not of the land of Israel, came out of the same coast, that's the coast of Tyre and Sidon, and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David, my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. And in this first utterance, how she acknowledges him, like the blind men did as well, crying out, Thou Son of David. And in doing so, they are testifying publicly that Jesus of Nazareth is the Son of David, is the promised Messiah. He is the Christ that was to come. And in that woman's utterance, it was right, it was a right way, there was nothing that was wrong in her coming in this way, in how she addressed him reverently and acknowledged exactly who he was and presenting her petition to him. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil and what she wanted was mercy. Nothing, no merits were put forth No good works put forth, it was just mercy that she sought after. Now, it's a blessed thing if we are taught so early on to pray and to approach the Lord in a right way, a right manner. This woman did, came straight to the point, as it were, and sought mercy. But then we have the first discouragement that she has from the Lord, and that is silence. She does not have an acknowledgement. She does not have a word in reply. How often when we come into those places, the first thing we start to think is, we've asked wrong, we've said something wrong, we haven't approached right. Well, if this woman was examining in that way, she wouldn't have found that as to being the reason at all. We can have many thoughts as to why the Lord is silent to our petitions. In this case, we know from the outcome of it, it was the trial of her faith. May that be just sufficient for us this evening as a thought to remain with us. The Lord's silence to us in our petitions, our urgent petitions, may be, as it was with this woman, a trial of our faith. Not for us to go back and think that we made some mistake or done something wrong, This woman is coming with mercy so it doesn't ascribe with anything of what she has done at all. It doesn't rely on anything. Works don't come into it. But she has this silence, no answer at all. But he answered her not a word. Then by implication we read, of her next utterance, and that is not to the Lord, but to the disciples. She came and cried after them. Although she was not in the wrong as how she petitioned, when the Lord was silent, then she went after those of his own Disciples and cried after them. It is a solemn thing that is said with King Saul when the Lord was not answering him at the end of his life, just before he was killed, that he then used the witch to bring up Samuel to find out what he wanted from Samuel because the Lord was not answering him. That is the most solemn, solemn case. But here is a case of one that proved to be one of the Lord's dear people and the Lord not answering her directly, not a word. She then turns to the disciples. And we can be like this. We can be seeking the Lord in prayer for things but don't seem to get answers and the Lord not answering us So we ask advice and ask help from the Lord's people. And the Lord's people, that is too much for them. They are not able to help us. They are not able to deal with our case. And sometimes we might be very dismayed with uh, how we seem to be let down by our friends and by those that we look to. But in this case, wasn't it a good thing? that those disciples were not able to answer or to help her because then she was thrown back onto the Lord. Should the creatures help or ease us? Seldom should we think of prayer. Few, if any, come to Jesus to reduce to self-despair is what the hymn writer puts on it. And this woman as she cried out to the disciples, then the disciples, and we didn't mention their utterances, but we have here another discouragement for this woman. Those disciples, they could not help her. That was a discouragement. But then she had another discouragement, because we have these disciples, and she hears them saying to the Lord, beseeching the Lord, send her away, for she crieth after us. They were actually taking a course against her, pleading against her, praying against her. Those that she came for help for, are now instead of helping her, They want her completely sent away, away from them, away from the Lord Jesus. What discouragement this must have been to this dear woman. No help from them at all. And then she listens and she hears the Lord answering them, speaking when they said that. He hadn't answered her, but now she hears him say, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Of course the disciples would have known that the Lord had commanded them to go unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel, but not to go into the way of the Gentiles. She was a Gentile. Yes, later on, when the Lord had been crucified, and suffered and risen again, descended into heaven, the Holy Spirit given, the disciples were to preach, and then they were to go and preach to the Gentiles. But at this point, at this time, he is saying what is true. Our Lord was sent to his own his own received him not. As many as received him, to them became gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them uh, that believed on his name. Though he, uh, she hears this said, really of her, against her, to the disciples, a great... Discouragement. How many times have we been discouraged when we may have been told what the Lord has said to someone else, what they have heard? And we felt that that is spoken against us. How could the Lord appear for that person, but not us? And how could he say those things to them while we are in such a need and such a trial and such a burden, remember all through this time this woman's burden was still there, the trial was still there and yet she has these discouragements that takes different turns all the time. We shouldn't be surprised when our discouragements take different turns, sometimes from one way and sometimes from another, sometimes from even those that are Lord's dear people, those that are close to him, and yet we receive knocks from them. And then we have the words of our text. The third utterance of the woman. with the utterance to the disciples, we are not told only that she cried after them, but here we are told specifically, then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. And in this, there's not the pleading of mercy that she had before, that had been made, the mention of her daughter, that had been mentioned before, but Now it's reduced to these three words, Lord, help me. Many a time it has been said of the Lord's servants are three steps up into the pulpit. Lord, help me. The short prayer of Peter as he was walking on the water to come to Jesus was very similar. Lord, save me. Very short and yet effectual prayers. The Lord doesn't forget what has gone on before. In one sense, we don't need to rehearse every time we come in prayer exactly the same things and in the same way. This woman, she'd known the Lord had heard what she had already said. She doesn't need, in that sense, to repeat that. But here she implores of the Lord for his help. We know of the Lord that help is laid upon one that is mighty. The Lord Jesus Christ, that help, that saving help, not just for temporal, but for eternal things. And this woman, her faith was being exercised in temporal things, but her faith in how she'd address the Lord, Thou Son of David, that He was able to help her, that he would help her, that he would save her in this hour of need. This utterance then, the inspired word of God, tells us is worship. Dear friends, when we are brought in extremity and that this prayer is so suitable and precious to us, Lord, help me that we might remember that this is said here as being true worship. Worship before the answer was given. Worship while she needed the help. Worship while she is asking for the help. Worship calling him Lord and imploring his help. But then she has another discouragement and she hears him say and this time in one sense there is an encouragement because he is answering her now directly. This is the first time that he is actually speaking to her. He answered and said, It is not made to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. It is not fitting, it is not right to take that bread that was for the children and to give it to dogs. You think of it... In a literal sense, if there was a family and the children all sitting around the table and you got the dogs around as well and that the children, they needed that food. It was precious, good food for them and it was taken and it was given to those dogs round about. Of course, one of the reference to dogs here is Gentiles, which the Gentiles were sometimes referred to not me, not right, to take Israel's children and the bread that was for them, give it to the Gentiles. Or we may say of this, God's spiritual children, those that are his dear people, to take that which is precious, that which is food and meat and that bread from heaven, the Lord said, except ye eat the flesh and drink the blood of the Son of Man, ye have no life in you. The manna from heaven that God gives to his children is not right, that that should just be cast away, wasted, wasted to dogs. And yet this, what the Lord said, Brings about with this woman a counterplay, her fourth utterance. And she says truth, Lord. She agrees with Him. And then there's that yet. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. A beautiful analogy. She kept to the same as what the Lord had said and yet she humbles herself so low to desire not the whole loaf, not a slice, but just a few crumbs that fall. How often reminded in the word of God the weight of blessing is humility and lowliness to get low at the Lord's feet, to be content with little, to be like Ruth, a gleaner, going after the reapers and just getting a little bit here and a little bit there that had been left. And this was her answer. And the Lord honoured it. The Lord then spake again, Her trial was done. The trial was finished. Who was to determine when it was finished? Why should it have each of these steps the silence, the disciples, the pleas to send her away, and virtually being told that? The Lord wasn't sent for her. Why? Why all of these steps? Why could not it have been shortened? The Lord was the order of it all. And the same with us. Are we to say, well, if this is our trial, surely it is time now it be finished? She kept going until she got what she wanted until their plea was answered. There is a time when the trial starts, the testing of God's children, and the time when it finishes. With Abraham, when he was tried, he offered up his son Isaac, but he was told to go and offer him up on a mountain that I will tell thee of, And we read, on the third day, he lifted up his eyes and he beheld that mountain. The first day, Isaac would have been in his eyes as dead. The second too, and the beginning of the third as well. But at the end of the third day, Isaac is alive. He's off the altar, the ram is in his place, And Abraham is commended because thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. In blessing I will bless thee, and in thee and in thy seed shall all nations be blessed. That is, in Christ. A third day religion. Abraham had to wait that third day. The disciples, when our Lord and Saviour suffered at Calvary, He died, he was buried, but they had to wait the third day. Then he was raised again. And it wasn't until the end of that day that then they could clearly say, the Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared. They have a religion that waits the Lord's time for its deliverance and that we be helped even to take those things which seem to be discouragements and to turn them about for fresh pleas and fresh cries to the Lord. All the while that she was interacting here, silence or not, and with the disciples or with the Lord, the matter was an ongoing thing. It was a continuing thing. We think of dear Jacob wrestling with the angel. He had Esau coming. He feared for his life, for the life of his loved ones. The angel said, which was a pre-incarnation appearance of our Lord Jesus Christ, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And he blessed him there. And his name was changed from Jacob to Israel. For thou hast wrestled, had power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. The God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ. And this dear woman, in one sense, was wrestling with him in her pleas, in her coming again and again. So her trial was passed. And how was it passed? The Lord said two things to her. The first thing he did, he commended her faith. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Great is thy faith. It's a few times in the word of God that great faith is commended. The other one we've referred to already regarding this centurion and his servant. The Lord said, I have not found so great faith, no, not in all Israel. And he was a Roman. He again was a Gentile who is not of Israel. And yet he had great faith. And that faith was evidenced by him saying, Speak the Lord only, and my servant shall be healed. And here... This woman's great faith was commended really in her tenacity, in her acknowledgement of the son of David, in her coming and taking no, not taking no for an answer, but again and again pleading her case, really getting lower and lower before him, humbling before him. And he commended her faith as great faith. And may we remember that and to translate it to our trials, our troubles, our lack of answers, our continuing at the throne of grace, our continuing with, Lord, help me, that this is the path to great faith. This is the way. The Lord tries his people, tests his people, have they got some other way that they can go? Have they got someone else they can turn to? This woman had already proved the disciples were no help. Vain is the help of man. And she proved it. The woman with the issue of blood, 12 years, had proved that as well. Uh, suffered much at the hand of the physicians and brought that there's only one hope, and only one name, and one plea, and there she must remain, there we must remain. Now many, when we are tried, we have some something else up our sleeve, some other help, some other way, but when we are brought to this, that there is no other way, the Lord is our only refuge, our only help, This is the path to great faith. This is the evidence of great faith. Great is thy faith. And may we remember again, faith is not something of our manufacturing. This is not something that we say, well, we're going to use our own resolutions and efforts in. The Lord Jesus Christ is the author and finisher of our faith. He knew that he had given her faith. He knew that he had given her that which he was trying. And may we remember this. Faith is the gift of God. By grace ye are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. May we remember as well that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Very often our prayers and our strength in prayer is taking God's own words and pleading him with them and making them our plea. Thou saidst, I will surely do thee good and the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth not. James reminds us of Elijah when he prayed that there be no rain and there was no rain, he prayed that there be fire from heaven, and the fire came straight away, but then he prayed that there might be rain and he had to say, go again, seven times. The answer then wasn't straight away. And so with the woman here, great is thy faith. The second thing that he said to her that her plea was granted, be it unto thee even as thou wilt. A petition answered, and the verse ends, and her daughter was made whole from that very hour. The matter, the petition was answered, was realized. And may we be granted that same outcome to our trials, whether they are short or whether they are long. You might say the most important thing here, though it was important that her daughter was healed, the most important thing was her faith. And that, that faith was a real faith in the Son of God. A faith that stood the trial. A faith that triumphed in an answer. And may we have that same light, precious faith. In Hebrews 11, we have that long cloud of witnesses that lived and died by faith in the coming Lord Jesus. And we are to join that long cloud of witnesses and those that we've known here below as well and that we are to walk by faith not by sight and faith will be tried and it will be tested and it's a good thing that it is that before we get to the end of our journey before we come to death's cold flood that we might know that our faith in the Son of God was a God-given faith a real faith, and we can trust him as we launch in worlds unseen. As we depart this life and breathe our last, we can trust him who has helped us all our journey through, many times given us answers to prayer, many times proved that the faith that he has given us has been proved a true faith and a right faith, and those things that he said has have come to pass, those trials that we've been brought in, he's brought us out of them. And that we may look upon what the Lord has given us in that great gift of faith, of saving faith, as the greatest gift and greatest blessing. We may have, as David said, my cup runneth over in the cup of salvation, many things the Lord has done for us. But may we see in all of these things that great gift of faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is the dear Redeemer that she came to, the one that she could see as and did worship as the Son of David. And may we, Worship in this same way. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me.